pray that they go deep into our hearts and that this is not just a religious thing that we do. Amen. We are a people of the Spirit. We believe in the move of the Spirit. And the things that God does here are sacred. And we need to take them as that. So it is an honor and a privilege as always to be able to bring the message to you. My name is Lauren Sienski. For those that do not know me, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Pastors Joe and Nancy, along with our entire Elevate team, are on a mission trip to our MPI Dallas, and they are there to help them and evangelize and do awesome things. So when you think of them, please pray for them. The title of my message, I just want to get right into it today, and if... Um, is this usually how the lights are? If we could turn on the lights, please. The title of my message today is A Call to Obedience. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is asking every person in this room and every person in this church if they will choose obedience no matter the situation in their life. We are called, we are a people called to radical obedience and immediate obedience. We are called to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and trust in the Lord. Obedience is not only for the big things in life, but also for the small things in our lives. It's a full submission and full surrender to Jesus Christ. And as Christians, as you may know, we are not always on the mountaintop and we're not always in the valley. Most of our lives are lived right here in the middle. Most of us get up and do the same thing every day. You wake up, you drink coffee, you say hello to your wife or your, to your husband, your kids, you go off to work, you, you give your best, you come home, you eat dinner. I mean, it's called the mundane things of life. And most of the time, that's where we live. There are moments of mountaintops where like, woo, not everything is a Lollapalooza, right? Not everything gives you that like rush. And not everything is a sad moment in life. We live right here in the middle. And we need to know as Christian, as the fluctuation of seasons come, as we're on the mountain, as we're in the valley, and as we are remaining right here steady in the middle, that we need to know that there are marks that make you a true disciple, and a true disciple remains obedient in every season. Not only up here, but right here. Through the normal things of life. Through the boring times of life. Consistency and obedience. Staying in step with the Spirit of God is the secret to the Christian life. So I pray that this message... Today, I know some of you, I, could, I can sense a little chill uh, mode in this room right now. So some of you need to shake it off and, and wake up in the presence of the Lord this morning. But I pray that this message, as I go through the Word of God, that it speaks to your heart personally. As we go through the Scriptures, I pray that they come alive to you. No matter who you are, this message is for you. This message is for me. For those in this room who are already obedient in all things, this message should be a call to remain obedient. For those in this room who are slipping up a little bit, this message is a call to come on back and be obedient. And for those who have grown complacent in any area of their life, this is a call to get a fire relit in your belly this morning and give your best to Jesus Christ. 
So my opening passage, we're going to go ahead and use our Bibles. I want to stick with what we've been doing as a church. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start putting them in your hands and get ready to work your word. My main message or my opening passage is James 1, 22 through 25. I'll give you a second to get there. James 1, 22 through 25. The Bible says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That is a powerful message for us today, that there is a blessing that follows obedience. If you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, you will do what the word of God says to do. Disciples are to receive the word, believe the word, and do what the word requires. I want you to repeat after me. Say, receive the word, believe the word, and do what the word requires. Amen. These scriptures point to a very serious thing that many people deal with, and it is the problem of deception. There is an ability here to be self-deceived. If you call yourself a Christian, you have to be rooted in the word of God. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to let the roots go down deep into your heart. And when you're rooted in the word of God, there is evidence, there is fruit that is produced in your life. There are all so many people all over the world right now who hear the message of the Lord preached to them. They're reading their Bible. They say, I spend time with God, but yet there is still a rebellion in their heart and a refusal to do what God says to do. There is a self-deception because they are a hearer but not a doer. There are people that struggle with the same sins in their life over and over. And I have heard people say, I spend time with God. I read my Bible. It's not working. The reason that it's not working is because all you're doing is listening and not allowing it to go into your heart to become habits in your life. You are not a doer. You are a hearer. But I pray that every single one of us, you and I, we walk out of this church this morning as doers of the word of God. Our yes to Jesus is an automatic yes to obedience. It is a no to the world. It is a no to sinful behavior. It is a life of self-denial. Like I said earlier, a picking up of your cross, considering your flesh crucified with Christ, a life of full and radical surrender to the Lord and letting go of everything else that your hand is clenched onto. A call to obedience is a call to self-denial. If we could turn in our Bibles to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 24. 
starting in verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. But whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is coming, is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Someone who is carrying their cross, Jesus is telling his disciples, you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. Someone who is carrying the cross was literally walking to the place that they would die. They were leaving everything in the world behind never to see the people that they love the most again. There was nothing that they could take with them to the cross. They were on their way to death. We have so many examples in the scriptures of what true disciples look like. We see that when Jesus said, follow me, they dropped it all and followed him. They couldn't have one hand on their family and one hand on Jesus. They couldn't have one hand on their possessions and one hand on Jesus. It was a complete surrender of all, a letting go of what they did have and leaving it all behind for Christ. Self-denial is giving up your own ways, your own dreams, your desires, your future, and anything else that you have wanted for your life. It is to die to everything that you once thought, wanted, and wished for. There is no other way to truly live if you first do not die to self. Jesus is looking for disciples who will deny themselves, who will put the kingdom of God first. There should be a visible impact on your life, a visible impact on your finances. If you are a person that has denied yourself, there will be evidence in your life. Like I said, it will be evidence in your bank account. It will be evidence in your service to the church, to the world. And it would lead to a rejection of pride, of arrogance. Amen? Amen. Just a few chapters over in Matthew 19, I believe that we get a great example of someone that wanted Jesus but couldn't because he couldn't let go. This is the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, verse 16. It says, just then a man came to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied, this, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. He was probably excited. Like, I've done that. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. He's going through the Ten Commandments. All of these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go 
sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The rich young ruler wanted his wealth more than he wanted Christ. And this is between you and Jesus right now. Is there anything today that you want more than Christ? Whatever that thing is, is the very thing that will stop you from living a life of self-denial that Christ requires of you. It is a sad turn of events for the rich young ruler. You can sense his heart. He wants Jesus. He wants to be able to be there, but it was just too much to ask of him. The Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will be added to us. If you can turn in your Bibles to Romans 6 with me. A call to obedience is a life of self-denial. A call to obedience is a rejection of sin. Romans 6, starting in verse 6. It says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Amen. Where We learned last week in uh, the series on John about the crucifixion of Jesus, and it was really cool to pass those things around and be able to get a visual of what our Lord went with. So it should make sense to us right now. When Jesus was crucified, we need to consider our flesh crucified with Christ. It is no longer living. And as we'll learn next week, the resurrection of Jesus, we also are raised with Christ. Amen? Amen. For we know that since Christ raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. Say once for all. But the life he lived, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let. Come on, you have a choice here. You don't let. Say, I don't let. Sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Can you say amen? Amen. A life of obedience is a crucified life. A dead man can no longer sin. The people in your life that have passed away, are they still making choices? Are they still sinning? No. We need to consider this right here, this flesh that will, if we allow the sin to rule in our mortal body, it will take over us. It will be our master. We need to consider this dead, crucified with Christ on the cross. And now, just as Christ was raised, our new life is raised 
in him. You will either be an instrument of righteousness or an instrument of wickedness. And when you think of an instrument, even like our band was up here playing today, you hear the music coming out of it. If Lawrence is on the keys, you hear the sound coming out of the keys. Your life has a sound. The people around you will either hear the sound of wickedness or the sound of righteousness. And it is your choice what they hear. Let's turn to Colossians 3. This is fun, right? Working your word. <laughs> Colossians it's after Philippians. Colossians 3. Again, talking about being made alive in Christ and dead to sin. Starting in verse 1, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The Bible is so clear. We have read these things so many times. We have heard them so many times. We have studied them in our own lives so many times. And yet it's so hard for the humans to grasp this at times. Doing counseling, hearing the issues that are ongoing in people's lives there is a disbelief in what this is saying right now. That's the problem. Disciples have to receive the word and believe the word, then do what the word says. If there is a refusal to believe the word and to receive the word, there will not be an action of doing what the word says. There has to be the reception and the belief. When Christ, verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears... Then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Again, this is an action that you're doing. You are not letting sin reign in your body. And now you're putting to death whatever your earthly nature desires. And here he's going to name some of them. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry be, idolatry because of these the wrath of god is coming you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived can i hear an amen come on but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger rage malice slander and filthy language from your lips do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or no uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Come on, there is a taking off and a putting on. Let's keep reading as it says here. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, verse 12, clothe yourself with humility, gentleness, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I think I read that twice. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I want to talk to some of the marriages in this place right now. I believe that Colossians 3 is talking to you when they're telling you, 
to put to death and rid yourself in verse, in verse 8. Rid yourself of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Now, if you go down to verse 12, it says, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If you would rid yourself of the anger that you feel and instead clothe yourself with compassion, you would be kinder to your wife or to your husband. If you rid yourself of the malice that you feel and clothe yourself with kindness and humility and gentleness, you would be able to be a loving spouse to your husband or your wife. Who, whatever, whoever I'm talking to today, you need to apply it to your life the way that you can. Sometimes people say they're a Christian and yet they act in the same way that they've always acted. There should be a change. It's like taking a shower and putting your dirty clothes back on. You like doing that? Go clean yourself off and then put your nasty underwear back on? No. That's disgusting. But that's what it's like in the spiritual. When you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a new self. My old is gone, the new has come, but yet the actions that you do continue to show that you're putting the old self back on. Die to your flesh in Jesus' name. Come on, a call to obedience is a self-denial. A call to obedience is a rejection of sin. And a call to obedience is to carefully follow the commands of God. I want you to turn with me into the Old Testament to 1 Samuel 15. We're going to talk about King Saul for a moment. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Jesus was very clear to his disciples. He told them in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And some of them, in, all of us in this room, there's commands in the Bible that are for all of us. And then there are personal commands that God has told only you that don't apply to me. Or God has only told me that don't apply to you. So we need to be careful to follow the commands of the word and also the things that God has put into your heart and to your life. If you are at 1 Samuel 15, can you say amen? Amen. Saul was the first king of Israel. God blessed him as the leader of, of this country. And we're going to read here about when Samuel came to him and gave him very clear instruction on how to move forward with the Amalekites. So I'm going to read quite a few verses here, and then we'll go from there. But it says, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites from what they did to Israel when, you, when they waylaid them as they came from Egypt. Now listen to his instructions. Now go, attack, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. 
Put to death men, women, children, and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Was there any confusion in this from the Lord, in this command? Is there any way that Saul could hear that and be like, nah, I don't really understand what God's asking of me right now. No, it was clear. So you can know too, when God comes to you, if you feel conflicted, if you feel confused, then you're not listening to the Lord the right way because God is not a God of confusion. He is clear to his people. So verse 4, it says, So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telam, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, go away, leave the Amalekites so I do not destroy you along with them, for you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. They were wise to do so. In verse 7, the Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agog, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agog and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything else that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. God gave him clear instruction, and he was giving Saul the opportunity to fulfill prophecy. In Exodus chapter, let's see here, chapter 16, I believe, and Numbers 24, the Lord is very clear that he is going to come against the Amalekites and destroy them completely. So here is God giving Saul this opportunity, and he doesn't take it. Saul partially obeyed the Lord, right? He did some of what God told him to do. But we have to know that partial obedience is still disobedience. He probably, when he was receiving the instruction from Samuel, he probably didn't think to himself, I am going to disobey that. He probably thought that he was going to follow through with what Samuel was telling him to do. But when he saw what was to be destroyed, he was deceived by the lust of the eyes because it looked good. Why would I destroy something so beautiful? Look at these fat cattle. I can gain something from those things. It goes back to Adam and Eve, doesn't it? But this fruit, he told me not to eat it, but it looks so good. He was deceived by what he saw. In verse 10, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. When he was told Saul had gone to Carmel, there he had set up a monument of his own honor. Isn't he nice to himself? <laughs> I'm going to disobey God, but I'm going to honor myself. And has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. 
I have carried out the Lord's instructions. This guy is aloof. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, the soldiers. So now he's going to point the finger. It's not him anymore. It's the soldiers he brought with them. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he set you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why do you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the sight of the Lord in his eyes? In verse 10 or 11, we see God was grieved that he made Saul king. And that word is the same one that is used in Genesis 6 when God was grieved over the sin of the people and he destroyed them with a flood. We see here that God is aware and responsive to the choice made by people. He reacts favorably only when people choose the option of obedience to his divine will. Nothing short of strict obedience to the Lord's instructions was acceptable. Anything else produced grief in heaven and in the Lord's heart. So he says, why do you do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Verse 20 But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agog, their king. The soldiers took the sheep and cattle from the plunder and best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgah. He's trying to switch it around to make it a good thing but I'm going to sacrifice to your God. I did it because your God is worthy of all of these awesome animals. But that's not what God told him to do. Samuel replied in verse 22, Does the Lord delight in burnt offering and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, which is witchcraft. And arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. We need to be able to apply this to our own lives today. Because you may be sacrificing things. You may be coming early, staying late, giving your offering, loving the Lord with your lip service, your time, your effort, but it will count for nothing if your heart is hard and you are disobeying the commands of the Lord in your life. God is the one that blessed Saul. God is the one that put Saul in his position, and all of a sudden now he had the pride of life. Look at me. I'm a big shot. Some of you have prayed for the things that you now possess, and yet you're not using those things 
to glorify God. Some of you have prayed for the wife or husband sitting next to you, and yet you still question if that's the one for you, and you're just angry that that's the one. And I don't want you to get my words twisted because your sacrifice to the Lord is beautiful. It is. Everything that you do for God is beautiful. All the time you spend on the streets. I mean, we are so thankful for everything you do in this church. But I just don't want you to be deceived by your sacrifice. Sometimes people treat their relationship with Lord like with the Lord like they treat their diet. If you exercise enough, you could afford to eat a donut. If you exercise enough, you can afford to have those tacos after church. It's a balance. And even if you have those tacos, it's not really going to affect your diet too much because you worked out hard. So it's balancing itself out. That is not how it works with Jesus. If you do all of these things for the Lord, it does not balance out your rebellion towards him. You don't get a little bit of rebellion because you sacrificed all this stuff over here. You have to remain obedient to Jesus. We hear this example in Matthew 7 where people think because they've done things, they're going to receive eternal life. But it goes back to obedience. They say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things in your name? I could hear people on that day saying, Lord, Lord, didn't I come to church every Sunday? Didn't I give in the offering? Didn't I, I do my best for you? Didn't I, I, I didn't cheat on my husband. I didn't cheat on my wife. And he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you because he is the one that looks at the heart and he's going to say, your heart is far from me. I want to also turn to Joshua chapter 7 as just another example of obedience to the Lord. It's actually Joshua 6 verse 18. These are the clear instructions, again, that God is giving to Joshua as they come against the people of Jericho. It says, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold, come on, say all. Come on. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into the treasury. That is Joshua 6, 18 through 19. Again, very clear instruction to Joshua. And if you continue reading on, Joshua did what was required of him. He was not the one that sinned. But there was someone in his camp, Achan, that decided to take some of the silver and the gold. God said, don't take it. He took it and hid it under his tent. And then the Israelites began to lose. And Joshua goes before the Lord and says, what is going on? Why are, why are we losing? Like he, he rips his clothes and he's in, in mourning. And God tells him, it's because there's sin in the camp. So we have to understand, Joshua was not the one that sinned, but the sin of someone else around him, the disobedience around him actually affected him and everyone else. And we need to know that our sin or our disobedience will also affect the people directly related in our lives in the same way that our obedience will affect those in our circle. 
I remember growing up, I, I went to a Christian school. My mom died when I was five. My dad didn't really keep us in church, but he did put me in a Christian school, which was a huge blessing as I look back on my life. It kept me around church people. They loved the Lord so much. So I would go to, you know, the prayer furnace. I know Lawrence knows about that. I, I went to a Spanish church for a little bit, Verbo. I went to a black church, Power of Praise. I mean, I was, I was trying to find my way. I went to every, every culture group, like, do you want me? <laughs> but I remember I had this friend that her and her family, I used to look at them like, man, I want that. Because her father was a pastor. He had the wife and the children. And I would always see them hugging each other, praying with each other, crying in the presence of the Lord. And praise God, I do have that now, right? I used to be a little girl saying, I wanted my dad like that. I wanted my sister and my brothers, but God gave me the desires of my heart and my husband and my children. But I remember looking at them and thinking, man, I want that. Like, I'm here by myself, a teenage girl, trying to find God, trying to do the right thing, even though I did a lot of wrong things too. But I remember, I think it was about seventh grade, this girl was one of my best friends, and she came to me and she said, I think my dad's cheating on my mom. Every time I walk in the room, he turns the phone off or he does something, you know, closes the computer. And she began to feel it before the rest of the family and before it got found out. And the mom found him doing that. And I promise you, even unto this day, you see the consequences in the children. And we know that ultimately it's their choice if they want to serve God or not, right? They're going to stand before Jesus they can't say, well, my daddy sinned, so I'm not, I'm not going to live for Jesus. They're going to be held accountable. But you can see the consequences of his sin is still lingering in these children's lives, now adults' lives. So you have to know that your choices matter to the people around you. And although we may not see the same consequences like we see in the Word of God, I mean, people, if, if you don't know, Achan had to die, okay, for his sin. We have another example of Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit, instantly dead. And, and if you think God can't do that today, then you're deceived because he can. He holds life in his hands. But mostly, we don't see things like that anymore. You know, we don't tell, okay, there's somebody doing homosexual acts, let's stone them, right? We don't do that in our culture, in our day and age. But I believe that the consequences that we see in the word of God are an actual representation of what happens to us spiritually when we disobey. There is death that comes into the heart, death that comes spiritually that ultimately will lead to destruction. And although it's not instant, happens over time and all of a sudden you'll look back and be like man I should have obeyed the Lord if Lawrence you can come to the piano please as we read in James 1 there is a blessing that comes with obedience if you can turn with me to Deuteronomy 28 if you take your time and read through this this chapter the first 14 verses are talking about the blessing that comes from obedience and uh, the next like 50 chapters or, or a lot more talk about the curse that comes from disobedience. 
So we know that there are blessings with obedience and there's curses for disobedience, like we just talked about, the consequences. You can choose your action. You can't choose your consequence, okay? But in Deuteronomy 28, these are promises given to the people of Israel. And I just want to read a few right now. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands, I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city. Come on, all you Chicago people say amen. <laughs> you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your baskets and your kneading troll will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hands to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you in his holy people as he promised you an oath if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. Then all the people of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, and the land you, he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open up the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be on the top and never on the bottom. Do not turn aside to any other commands I give you today, to the right or to the left, following other gods or serving them. Carefully follow the commands of God is repeated 15 times in Deuteronomy. And if we read through this again, you have to catch that the blessings of the Lord are conditional. He says very clearly in verse 1, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow. He says in verse 9, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God. In verse 13, he said, if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God and carefully follow them, it is conditional based on your obedience. Come on, we know that the blessings of the Lord are not just material things, but those material things are blessings. The houses, the cars, the, the family, all of the beautiful things that God gives us. The 401k, I mean, you could put so many things in there. Praise God for his blessings. But the blessings of the Lord go so much deeper than material things or things you can touch. They go deep into your soul. There's a peace with God a sound mind and a sound heart. There's rest for your soul. When I think about serving Jesus, I think about standing in the scorching sun all day and then finding shade. I remember I was walking through my neighborhood and there's a lot of landscapers and these guys were, they work hard. 
And they were sitting under a tree and they were chilling. They had their waters, their hats on, and they were resting. And I heard the Lord speak to my heart in that moment. That's what it's like to serve me. In the heat of the day, finding a tree of shelter, finding that shade. After a crazy workout or if you're so hot, you did something that, that made you very hot and, and um, sweaty or whatever, having that ice cold water that refreshes your body. That's what I think about when I think about serving Jesus. The blessings go so much deeper than just the material. We all know, well, maybe we don't all know, but the story of David, a great king in the Bible, and God honors him and says he's a man after his own heart. But David made some mistakes, and I believe that there are stories all throughout Scripture, not only to give us examples of what to do, but what not to do. And David is a good example of that. There's a lot of things that we can aspire to be like in David's life, but there's also things that we need to take caution and not be like in David's life. David was roaming around on the roof of his home. He was the king. His people were off at war. And he noticed as a woman, I'm sure he could see the whole city from his roof, and he notices a woman bathing she probably wasn't there on purpose to, to seduce him. She was just doing her thing like she would any other day. And what should have David done? What should you men of God do if you're looking out and you see something? Whoop. Turn your eye. Come on, the first look is free. The second one will cost you something. But David didn't look away. He saw her. His heart became full of lust. He wanted her. He had to have her. He sends his people to get her. And who knows if she was just doing it because he was the king or, or what it was. But the story is more really focused on David's wrongdoing than Bathsheba's wrongdoing. But I don't think David woke up that morning saying, I think I'm going to commit adultery today. And not only did he commit adultery, but then he gets the woman pregnant and he calls for his soldier, his brother in arms, someone that is a faithful man to him. He calls him because he wants to fix whatever he does and he gets him killed. So now he's an adulterer and he's a murderer. I don't think, I'm telling you, David did not wake up in the morning and say, I want to be an adulterer and a murderer. Just like all of us in this room are not waking up in the morning saying, I want to disobey God today. If anything, you want to disobey God. But you have to have your guard up at all times. You have to say, I'm going to be obedient in every situation of my life. Because if that guard is down, it takes a moment to lose your integrity. It takes a moment to lose your, your reputation. You can take your entire life building up, and in a second, it's gone. And I don't want to just focus on, on the bad, because I know that God can restore. I've seen God's restoration in my own life and in many lives of people in this church. He is merciful. He is kind. He is gentle. He is humble at heart. And if you are in this room today and you have been disobedient to the Lord in anything, 
Like I said, it doesn't have to be just the big things. It can be the very, very small things of your heart that God has been speaking to you and there has been a rejection from you. I want you to have the heart of David this morning because after David sinned and after David did not obey the Lord, he turned to humility. The Bible says that God opposes the proud. When you oppose someone, the hand of God is against you, but he gives grace to the humble. If you feel in this room that God's hand has been against you, I want you to give humility a try. If things are not working out the way that you keep trying to make them work out, if you've allowed things into your life, I'm telling you, God opposes those that are proud. If you want your marriage to be fixed and in order, try humility. Try humility. Try repentance. Try getting over yourself. Try not being selfish. Listen to the heart of David in Psalm 51. He knows that he sinned against the Lord. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sights. So you are right in your verdict and just justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. The hyssop is what the Lord on the cross asked for. They drenched it in the sponge and they put it to his lips. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. And this is a beautiful prayer right here. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Try humility. Like I said in the beginning of this message, if you are in obedience, praise God, remain in obedience. If you have become complacent in any area of your life, I pray that you get a fire back in your heart today. If you have allowed sin in your life, I pray that you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, the one that can convict and change hearts is in this room right now. And the Bible says that nothing is hidden from his sight. The only one that you are deceiving is yourself. I want you to hear me again. The only one that you are deceiving is yourself. There is no secrets. There are no secrets with God. Everything has been laid bare before him. His eyes roam the earth and he is looking for those that are righteous in this room today. 
He is looking for the righteous. I want the band and the altar workers to come. Come on, I pray right now. Let's all close our eyes all across this room. Jesus, Holy Spirit, we need you. I pray, oh God, right now for conviction of the Holy Ghost to go forth wherever it needs to go. Every 101 or 201 or elder, deacon, visitor, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would go down deep right now. That you would uncover whatever needs to be uncovered. That you would expose anything that needs to be exposed. I pray that you would give grace to the humble this morning. Let's all stand to our feet, please. It's a call to obedience this morning. A call to obedience and denying your flesh, denying yourself, your own wants, your own desires, saying no to sin, and being careful to follow the very commands of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, let's just take a few moments between you and Jesus right now. If you can still just close your eyes. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's quiet our hearts before the Lord as the worship team begins to sing. This is your moment with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Your presence. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Okay, I, uh, if you need prayer for anything, if we can have another male elder or deacon here, that would be awesome. But if you need prayer this morning for anything, please come forward to these elders and deacons. Let's get real with God in this place. Do not leave here the same way that you came in. Allow the Lord to go deep into your heart right now, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Bring back the reverence for your name. Give me the fear of God. Fill me with wonder. I'm 
why not up here for prayer let's just begin to worship the lord in your seat Hallelujah. 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 Well, that's what we need. We need the fear of God. The fear of God back in our homes. The fear of God in our marriages. The fear of God in the workplace. Come on, God is watching. Oh, we want to please you, Jesus. We want to be an obedient people to you, Jesus. Shoro bobo bokiana na na Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, God is moving at these altars up here. We're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to allow the Holy Spirit to move this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, in another psalm, David says, Search me, O God, and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. May that be the cry of our hearts this morning. Search my heart, Jesus. Search me and know me, O God. Shoroboki, hallelujah. Well, we're going to continue to worship and we're going to continue to pray. You are welcome to stay and linger if you desire. But I'm going to go ahead and pray a prayer of dismissal. We thank you so much for joining us. We want to see you next week and let's see you at life groups all throughout the week. Father, we thank you for this service. We thank you for your word that is sharper than a double-edged sword, oh God. We pray that it would go deep in the hearts of your people today. We pray that we would live lives that are pleasing to you in all that we do, God, on the mountaintop, on the valley low, and in the mundane things of life, oh God, I pray that we would be obedient in all things, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We thank you so much for joining us. We're going to go ahead and exit out this door. We'll see you at Life Groups.